Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. AK-47, well, you know it makes me feel all right. Got an Uzi by my pillow, helps me sleep a little Hey, Matt, we are here to talk about one of the more uh, interesting tracks in Al's discography, I think. Controversial? And can we call it controversial? I think we I'd, can call it controversial. I'd love to call it controversial. <laughs> um, I have a quote that I pulled from a book that I looked up Great. To, to talk about with this one, but we are joined by a guest... Return guest, yes, uh, AJ Santini is here to talk about Trigger Happy. This was one of the big ones that you picked uh, when I sent you. I said, "Hey, we want you on." And you were like, "Well, I really want to talk about Trigger Happy." Yes, I'm curious why. Well, I, I mean the the parody style, in as far as it being uh, Beach Boys, I am a huge Beach Boys fan. Yep, um, that was one of my first loves in music. Uh, so that and just the. I think there's a couple things which I know we'll get into, but just the the irony of the lyrics just opposed against the the happiness, you know, of the song, the upbeatness, uh, but all while being like this delusional gun nut uh, is is funny to me. Um, and then, of course, um, as I definitely, uh, I don't know how many people are going to make the connection, but to me, I saw a movie called Top Secret, which was one of the Abrams uh, yeah. like Zucker movies, and uh, they have a Beach Boys parody, same exact thing called Skeet Surfing where they have people surfing and shooting guns uh, to a Beach Boys parody. Uh, and then, like, uh, what, what would it have been, eight years later? or, or Yeah, uh, about. Weird Al does this. So to me, that's funny in as far as the fact that the Beach Boys ripped off Chuck Berry uh, and and <laughs> did a lot of their surfing songs with Chuck Berry riffs, and then Weird Al ripped off the Zuckers and kind of did a, a gun parody to the Beach Boys. So to me, there's like a beautiful uh, full circle moment to the song. I'm so happy that you brought that up right away because I did not know about the existence of that song until this morning Ooh. when I was when I was looking up stuff about this track and then I saw somebody referenced um, Skeet Surfing and I just could not believe it. It <laughs> blew my mind. And it's funny too because I think at some point in my distant past, I saw Top Secret, but I guess that was before I heard this song. Mm. I don't know. Like I just, I did not make that connection until today. Uh for people who don't know, yeah, the movie Top Secret, um, it is uh, a goof parody movie like Airplane made by the same yep. people. Airplane, yep. Kentucky Fried Movie. And it is a... Now, this is interesting because if you looked, I had to do the sort of like music industry deep dive on this to find that that parody is just fully credited to the Beach Boys and Chuck Berry. Oh, okay. There's no... Uh, it was... Uh, amazingly, the soundtrack to that movie was composed by Maurice Jarre who is a very famous composer, and he did, he's the father of Jean-Michel Jarre, who also had a big electronic uh, film scoring uh, career. Wow. Um, but he put this together for the movie, and it is sung by Val Kilmer. Yep. Mm -hmm. Like, guys, stop <laughs> listening to this podcast and listen to Skeet Surfing from the movie Top Secret right now. It is amazing to hear, especially just because the very intro, they're both referencing the same... Uh, Beach Boys thing. Yeah. But, uh, you know, how Al's has that kind of build up. It starts with a little build of trigger happy. And you go mm -hmm. to that one, it's just skeet surfing. Yeah, it's, it's the like, exact same oh thing. Oh my God. It yeah. is the exact same start. And then from there, you can, at least for me, I was like, I can hear the difference. Like mm -hmm. that 
Skeet Surfing is a straight parody. Like you can yes. hear him doing California Girls. You can hear him doing Fun Fun Fun. Yeah. Um, and Al's does that magical thing Al does where he doesn't actually do that. He just creates something that is not those things, but feels like it could be yeah. or should be. Um, like the kick but, drum but, breakdown and like, like exactly, there's, there's yeah, elements yeah. that are not. Uh, yeah, exactly. He hits all those marks. He hits every marker of this is again. And uh, just back to the Beach Boys a little bit quick, because this is amazing in terms of this is one of two Beach Boys style parodies that Al does. I think it's the only time that he has ever done a style parody. Well, actually, that's not true. I was going to say it's the only time he's done a style parody of the same person twice. That's not true because he did Tony OK twice. Yep. The next one is coming up on this record. Um, but he comes back to the Beach Boys way, way later with the song Pancreas. Mm. Yeah. Now this is. See, I would make an argument, though. This is like this is going to be the tiniest... it's the two sides of the Beach Boys. Well, I was going to say, I think that this is a Beach Boys parody and Pancreas is a Brian Wilson parody. I guess you could make that, like that claim. I mean, that's this the is one distinguishing thing I would say it feels like. This is early Beach Boys. This is the surf fun, fun, fun. Yeah. And then Pancreas and is, even. is Yeah, Pet there's Sounds. a lot of Jan and Dean vibe to this, too. Yes, I, I did actually clock that Al in a uh, in an old Ask Al archive. He did note that um, uh, I have a quote here. He said, it's mostly meant to be the Beach Boys, but I think there's a little Jan and Dean thrown in. I certainly listened to both groups while I was writing the song. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, so I have a quote that I want to bring up. I mentioned this book forever ago. In fact, the whole when I read this book is how we got one of our frequent guests, Kelly, mm. uh, which is the book Seriously Al Yankovic um, by Lily E. Hirsch. And the whole point of this book is she goes and she sat down with Al and interviewed him about the writing process of multiple songs that she found to be deeper than they seem on the surface. Nice. Um, so there's obviously a chapter on Trigger Happy, and uh, I pulled this specific quote where Al tells her a story. And he, it, the point of it being that it was a chapter called uh, Political Al about how Al tries to avoid politics at all times, mm-hmm. but there are certain songs where it's undeniable that he is playing some type of clear opinion, and this yeah. being one of those songs. And he said, on tour, we were going to play Trigger Happy, but on the first night that we were going to play it, there was a mass shooting. And my bass player was like, we're not playing it. And I said, I guess not. And then we ended up not playing it the entire tour because it seemed like there was a mass shooting every five minutes. Lily asked him, but why that choice? And she writes in there saying, I felt like maybe it was time for him to make a stand and performing this song. Al responded by saying, I do think the song makes a point. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with us playing it, but it's such a hot, such a hot button topic and people can be very fragile about it. I don't want to hurt people's feelings. I don't want to be controversial. I have my feelings about it and I don't want to put myself out there politically. I guess I'm just a coward. I don't know. Um, which is like as as open and honest as you can get in an Al interview where he's literally I, I, just like, I would say that absolutely is. I mean, and you know what? I can see. So, you Okay. This is super uh, just I'm taking a step back for a moment, but we're going to swing it around here. OK, this is one of the first ones that I ever did. I just like the first thing I do when I do research for one of these songs is I actually just Google Weird Al in the name of the song because I like yeah. to see what pops up because um, for some things it's very little. And for some things, of course, there's tons and tons of people talking about them. This was the first one that I saw where I searched the name of this song. And one of the first hits that I saw was a YouTube reaction video. Is from this two, the same one that you it might be. It's like you it watched been. one, yeah. It was it was an account called Sight After Dark. I'm going to shout it yes, out because yep. I thought they did a nice job. <laughs> they did, yes. And and it popped right up. I watched it, and it's this couple. I think it's a couple. I'm not actually sure. Um, are hearing this song for the first time. It was a request from their Patreon uh, <laughs> uh, followers. And while the song is playing, it is just an amazing thing to watch because the dude is laughing and yep. laughing and laughing, and the woman has this look of like either an eye roll or a visible cringe yes, yes. of discomfort. And, and I, I was literally referencing this with Matt as I showed as, up here as we because I was go, like, because I was go. like, this, Perfect. this perfectly describes like every, every, every woman I've ever been like, let's listen to Weird Al Yankee. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, when they finished listening to it, they both acknowledged that it was funny. Uh, but 
the guy said the exact right thing, which is at least I thought where the first thing he said was he's like, I mean, you guys saw me laughing, but I kind of felt bad laughing. Mm -hmm. And that's if there's any way I think to in my mind, distill Al's thought process in that moment is that maybe he doesn't want to play something where people feel bad laughing. Yeah. Like that's, that's what this is. Best case scenario. Yeah. Best case scenario. Well, everybody in the room gets the joke. Everybody in the room is on the same page. You as hope him everyone gets in terms the joke. of, yeah. I was say this is best case scenario <laughs> for him, right? Imagining the world of him touring all around America, playing this song, every city he goes to the best case scenario is those audiences get the joke are with him are clapping for the right reasons and hopefully laughing through discomfort and sadness for the right reasons. Yeah. But even then, this is a song that is designed to make people uncomfortable. Well, and think about That's it. That's what it is. Like, let's say this much. This album and this song comes out in 1992. Yeah. Now you, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, you are a political major to a certain extent. Uh, I was a poli-sci major. Yeah, yeah you're a sure. poli-sci major. Worked in politics. Was not 1993 when Bill Clinton had the Anti-Assault Rifle Act come up? That was early in his it first... Was, yeah, yeah. It was, year, it was, so, I don't know the exact date, but yeah, you're, I mean, you're, you're on, on in the era, yeah. So, mm -hmm. I mean, this is... I think that that's the other thing is like... I, in my mind, there was always an element of we need to have some type of level of gun control, but I don't think that that was a as serious as a topic to most people until, say, Columbine in 1999. Correct. Right? So, like, this in 1992 holds a whole different feeling than even eight years later. Mm. It <laughs> like, does. Yeah. And I think that even, and again, I'm I'm speaking from what I've read and what I've seen because I was too young to appreciate yeah. this and for al sure for real at the time and let's but stress like al has openly said i don't like guns like oh yeah like, yeah, yeah. No, like I, it's like, i mean he, he he definitely is writing this in a yeah maybe we do need gun control kind of way but i think even at a time when it was just like man there's a lot of guns out there like not in like a people yeah. are shooting up schools every week type we'll just, we're gonna put this out there right out the gate if you're not listening to this song as an absolute piece of satire, you are making an enormous mistake. Yes. <laughs> yeah, very Every much so. single thing about this song is satirical and designed to be the exact opposite of what Al actually thinks. Um, yeah, I mean, so, but my understanding is at this point in time, in the early 90s, the gun debate has existed in America for a very, very, very long time. And it certainly existed at that point, but it wasn't quite, there were plenty of, Second Amendment supporters and gun rights advocates who could also listen to this song and laugh because it was ridiculous. Yeah. The idea like there, it was less my understanding, a little bit less politically charged and a little bit more like you could be a supporter of the Second Amendment while also agreeing that some people are insane and maniacs and should not be allowed to do these sorts of things. Yeah. I think the conversation used to be a little bit more down the middle open with yeah, as opposed open to now in the last especially arguably the last, you know, 15 mm -hmm. years, it has become a much more line in the sand. You are either on this side of the issue or this side of the issue. And it's not funny no. <laughs> on either side of the issue. It is not a joke and you're not interested in joking about it because it is deadly serious, literally yeah. deadly serious. So this comes from a time where I guess it was a little bit more. I mean, again, no if ands or buts about it al's opinion of this issue is very clearly laid out in this song and he is not pulling punches with the way he is talking about this person his uh the character he is playing yeah. i can see why and again he never played it live it's worth noting like even when this album came out he did not perform the song live he considered it for the vanity tour and ultimately scrapped it um so even back in the day some part of him was just like this is not uh Maybe the vibe I want to put out into the room at a concert where people are supposed to be enjoying themselves and not well, thinking about horrible things. I mean, Al certainly hits you with plenty of horrible things at one of his concerts. Well, I think but I guess not this. Here's here's I, I would say similar vibe, which is really, really dark. Um, I was listening to the Clerks three commentary track. Um and in the Clerks three commentary track, Kevin Smith talks about what the original script of Clerks three was and uh this is a spoiler alert for people who haven't seen clerks three it's actually pretty good go check it out it's the best thing kevin smith's done in a really long time but in the original version of the script he still spoiler alert wanted dante to die um but he wanted it to be a more heroic death and the idea was going to be 
way more ridiculous. It was going to be about like Randall, um, like camping outside for like a year to see a Ranger Danger movie. Mm-hmm. And like all these people get excited for Ranger Danger because of his enthusiasm. And like Dante has a daughter and they go to this movie. And then during the movie, a active shooter comes in and shoots up the theater and Dante sacrifices himself to protect his daughter and Randall. Wow. And I, as he's talking about that, I thought I would be so pissed in this day and age to be watching a movie in a movie theater where there is still always a very real fear that something like dark Knight could happen again uh, and have that, have that be the ending of the movie. Mm-hmm. And I think in a similar vein, once the Vegas shooting happens, like I don't want to hear Al's goofy song about a gun nut in a concert because it's always going to be in the back of my head anyway of like, like I hate that like every time I'm at a venue I'm checking to just make sure I know where the exits are and like mm-hmm. yeah, like yeah, yeah. I don't need a song to remind me of that while <laughs> while I'm trying to enjoy a funny Al Yankovic show. So I'm glad that he's kind of made that decision for us. Um do we want to dive into the lyrics a little bit? I mean, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, we right. got to. So, opening verse, got an AK47, well you know it makes me feel all right. Got an Uzi by my pillow. Helps helps me sleep a little better at night. There's no feeling any greater than to shoot first and ask questions later. I'm trigger happy, trigger happy every day. Uh, yeah. Great stuff so far. <laughs> yeah. um, and here's the part that you were just talking about. Well, you can't take my guns away. I've got a constitutional right. I got to be ready if the commies attack us tonight. I'll blow their brains out with my Smith and Weston. That ought to teach them all a darn good lesson. I'm trigger happy, trigger happy every day. And then we get into the incredibly well done, like multi-vocal chorus with the like great harmonies. Yeah. And like everything yeah. in the background. Uh, with the, the better watch out punk because I'm going to have to blow you away at the end of the course. And I exactly. like in the in the uh, in the first two verses how uh, with with a typical Al uh, his style of comedy it starts a little believable and yeah. it just it gets a little bit more uh, wait, like something catches you just off guard like uh, wait did he just okay and then and then it gets more ridiculous and I like how it it, it really is that like you're like you're talking it's the same thing as you're talking to a gun nut when you're like oh yeah no, I guess that, yeah no that makes sense you want to like defend your family and then. Uh, uh, wait, uh, how many how many guns do you have? And, and yeah. uh, you're yeah. you're worried about communists? <laughs> yeah. Like it's because like, it, it, that that really is I, the conversations that I've had with people. Absolutely, who, it, it's it, that you're like okay, yeah, no, that makes. Oh wait, what? Yeah, well, but no. even then, I love that he starts off with assault rifles. With like, it's not even like exactly yeah, like it's AK forty seven and an Uzi is what he's sleeping in within his bed. It's not like he's got a nice handgun or a hunting <laughs> rifle. Like, yes, but, but but this does, as you said, AJ. This is a great. He just keeps amping it up as the song goes along, and at this point in the track, you can almost again the AK forty seven. Like, okay, that's concerning. The Uzi is concerning. And uh, the commies line is just a classic, hilarious, like over the top <laughs> justification. But there's a lot like the old in man these from lyrics Gremlins. that feel yeah. like a very what you would consider to be a pretty reasonable counter from someone who is a supporter of having guns in their home. This is a very standard. Uh, again, especially compared to where we're going, this is straight reasonable. Oh, you mean the next couple <laughs> verses? This guy where is, at this point. This guy is like super level headed. We okay, fine. You're like I get he it. Likes me. assault rifles, but okay, sure. So he says, "I accidentally shot Daddy last night in the den. I mistook him in the dark for a drug crazed Nazi again. <laughs> now why'd you have to get so mad? It was just a lousy flesh wound, Dad. Because I'm trigger happy, trigger happy every day." I haven't figured out the safety on my rifle yet. Little Fluffy took a round. Better take him to the vet. This is one of my favorite lyric rhymes in the entire thing, by the way. I filled that kitty cat so full of lead, we'll have to use him for a pencil instead. Trigger happy, trigger happy every day. I mean, that is top tier, Al. That is genius. That is a genius uh, verse. Um uh, the a whole thing, I mean, I, I could I feel like we could just talk about this alone for such a long time. This is where the backing vocals with Jim and Steve come in that are glorious. Mm. The in- shot daddy in the, in the dead. dead. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> it, it's just amazingly well done. Like it's so funny, 
so true to the Beach Boys. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, this is just perfect on every, I love the uh, lousy flesh wound ad, which is a nice, yeah. like, Monty Python uh, mm. reference he gets to throw in there. Another great, like, Al shouting out his uh, his comedic. Um, well, and also, yeah. there, Al has mastered the art, I think, of comedically using the word again. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, because it's like, again always implies that there was a first time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, like, the idea of, I mistook him in the dark for a drug-crazed Nazi again. Again. (laughs) I know. This was not the first time that he mistook his dad (laughs) as a drug-crazed Nazi. I also also love the, I don't know, this is just me, maybe I'm just a dog guy. Fluffy doesn't strike me as a kitty cat name. That just always strikes me as a dog name for I'm some reason. I'm glad you said that because I actually always just sort of thought, he literally says kitty cat and in yeah. my mind it was a dog because yeah. it's fluffy. It felt like it would be. Um, I don't know why. And then I looked at the lyrics. I'm like, oh, obviously it says it's a cat. I don't know why I had that in yeah. my head. I also love the, there's another little like disconnect here in terms of the same with the again. Like he says, little Fluffy took around. Better take him to the vet. But then he filled the cat so full of lead. That's not a round. That doesn't sound like a round. That sounds like some oh, some really bad stuff was going on. Yeah, not great. Uh, all right. So then we get the the bridge is come on and grab your ammo. What do you have to lose? We'll, all, we'll get all liquored up and shoot anything that moves. Shoot anything that moves. Uh, um, another great little musical moment here. Another perfect little like bridge Beach Boys style. And... Another great, like, this guy's just getting, now he's really admitting that he is just happy to (laughs) shoot anything, anytime. And then the final verse, got a brand new semi-automatic weapon with a laser sight. I'm praying somebody tries to break in here tonight. Uh, I always keep a magnum in my trunk. You better ask yourself, do you feel lucky, punk? Because I'm trigger happy, trigger happy every day. Here's my favorite thing. I always have the TV on when I'm like listening to these songs and writing notes and doing research. Mm-hmm. You know what I was watching when uh when I was doing this one? The Enforcer, the oh. third the third Dirty Harry. <laughs> nice. film. Amazing. Wow. <laughs> what kismet. Yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. Yes, again, I, I, the Do You Feel Lucky Punk is of course Dirty Harry. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. We're making an ad. Napping ads. I hear that Gary Sinise is free. Okay, great. He hasn't worked since 2020. <laughs> so um, what would be the script that we would have Gary Sinise say for the Napping Through Happy Hour podcast? Listen to this damn show. Damn it. The it- Napping Through Happy Hour podcast brought to you by Geekscape. Real life, real drama, real time. I'm Gary Sinise. That's the, That's ad. the ad. That's the ad. That's the ad. This verse is is everything, right? Because it's got you've got the first verse which is the somewhat reasonable, like the most reasonable approach you can get. You've got verse two, which is comedically over the top, the dog being pumped full of lead, the dad mm. getting shot. This one's Kitty scary. Cat. This Kitty is cat. frightening. Yeah. yeah, this is literally yeah. scary. Because <laughs> this is this is really him distilling what the actual problem is. Mm. Yeah. Which is people who buy guns because in some part of their brain, they are fantasizing mm-hmm. about the opportunity to, to become a hero. Yep. To be a hero in their home and to and to save a lot like that's the that's the problem and that's the mentality that causes so many issues. These people who think I have this gun and when something happens, I'm going to be ready and I'm going to take care of it. And what's well, the seen, rhetoric of the only thing that stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with exactly, a gun, which exactly time and time and time again have proven to not be the case. Yeah. But but, but if there was any moment in the whole thing where it's like the political I think is laid out very clearly. It is this verse. Like this is just absolutely him calling out this idea of like vigilante justice and people who think that they are somehow better than the rules or the law or what, you know, whatever, whatever you want to call it. It's, it's really, uh, that's the most sort of like profound, at least for me, verse of this song. Oh, I a thousand percent agree. I, I just wanted to point out again, 
the if you Google this song, that you'll find immediately loads of Reddit posts of people going like, "Do you think Al regrets Trigger Happy? Do you think like there's there is a real conversation?" And I don't think I haven't seen anything to indicate Al regrets writing the song. If anything. This is an interesting addition. This has wound up on the essential Weird Al. Mm-hmm. His uh, collection of his, like a best of, which I saw he handpicked. Like, I think he is probably quite proud of this song. I, you and know what, anything, I think it's more it's relevant just, today. Yeah. It's, I, I think it's, it's only gotten more relevant. And I think that from everything I've seen, I don't think you would be ashamed of this track. I think it's more about him trying to find the right balance at a live show of what he is trying to do. Yeah. And I... Let me ask you a question because, yeah. like you said, he didn't play this live when the album came out. Really, mm-hmm. he has yet to be able to perform it live at the Vanity Tour for yep. for reasons that we understand. Which leads me to this question, which might not be worth doing the research right now, but I am curious: Does this mean that this is one of the only songs handpicked for the Essential Owl that doesn't that has pretty much never been performed live? It probably is. I'd have to actually go through the listing one by one. But, but yeah, I imagine no, everything else would be like well established as like, you know, dare to be stupid. We know for a fact he's put. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. No, most of the other songs, even when they're not like hits of his, the essential uh, fan compilation in a way. has like Frank's 2000 inch TV and songs like that are kind of universally beloved in Al's world as like his best originals. This song I think is somewhat is certainly beloved in some circles, but is not talked about in the same way again. Cause I think it just <laughs> makes people uncomfortable. Yeah. I think it, it's just written to make people feel uncomfortable. And on an album, I think that's a good thing to put in people's faces. I get why at a live show, he feels like that's not what he wants to do to an audience in the room. Well, you, I think we talked about this when we did the episode on fat, you know what I mean? Like he's been very open of like, I don't want any person who's paid money to come see me live feel less about themselves or less comfortable or less happy yeah. when my show is supposed to be an escapism into a good carefree fun experience mm. yeah so i yeah, get it and I, I i do get that mentality and, um i i don't yeah oh no i was gonna say and also you know going back and thinking when i was listening to the fat episode you know when you create something you can only create it in its time and its place. I mean you can't go into the future mm-hmm. and see how how moods are going to shift or what's going to happen in the future. I mean when he did this song, yes, there was gun problems but not in the way that we have them today. It's you know it, it the there were mass shootings but not all like the numbers that we have which are continually escalating. So I think at the time when he did this, yes, it was it was ahead of its time, but I also don't think like I, it in the worst possible way. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. But in a Swiftian way. Like in a yeah. Jonathan Swift like eat the babies instead of potatoes way. Like mm-hmm. it's 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 a satire. And I really I, I constantly say that I don't think uh today enough schools are teaching that kind of satire. They're not reading like into how to see that something is a joke i think we've become totally. like you said like you said earlier matthew so divided and, and the divide has gotten even further with like drawing the lines in the sand mm-hmm. that people aren't able to see like just recently the year that we're recording this pocket 2023 yeah. there was a, a hit a, a number of hit singles by country artists uh and 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 country adjacent artists specifically because they were political and dr- and drawing yes. that divide further there, there was a, an artist named oliver anthony who was who has come out and said you know i don't uh, recognize either side I don't align with either side but I'm writing this song and the right side of politics in America embraced him even though he was like I don't I don't accept that I'm not part of you and then the left was like the right likes it we don't automatically and he's yeah. just like I don't care about your opinion either so it's like it's become so divided that it's 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 really just we can't even have the conversation that Al's trying to point out with the satire mm-hmm. because people are so you know, uh, dig in my heels. I don't want to talk about it. And I, I, I think it actually is a disservice to not br- uh, play, not, I, I get what Al's doing, but like to not bring the song to the forefront, I think it was great for him to include it on the uh, greatest hits because the conversation needs yeah. to be had and we need to have these difficult discussions, whether it's about gun control, whether it's about racial relations, whether it's about politics, wealth inequality, all of these things. Uh, I think it, it, when people miss the point, it's really sad because they're important conversations to have. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. I, and, and to be honest with you, to be totally honest, there is a small part of me that agrees with the interviewer in the book matt referenced of just like why like like it is an important and look i i think putting yourself out there in that way is definitely a very very personal 
choice and Al has every right to Al would have every right to open every show with this song and make a sweeping political statement out of it just as he has the right to exclude it sure. in the name of keeping his show as fun as possible. That's his decision as an artist. He has, I, as far as I'm concerned, he has made his politics very clear. I love the fact he's <laughs> opted to put it in other places. Yeah. Uh, streaming. It is on multiple things like that's it's it's really out there in the world. And, and it's not he's not hiding it. Right. That's for sure. It's not like he has decided to not to bury the song in the current political climate. He's just choosing to not, uh, as you said, like to not push it harder on people. Yeah, and I can not, I can see either side of that. He's definitely not doing. Um, I fa- I found myself in a deep dive on Charlie Daniels the other day. <laughs> Interesting country artist Charlie Daniels because Charlie Daniels is one of these artists who, if you listen to his greatest hits album, Charlie Daniels Super Hits, uh, it's ten songs in order of release, and you literally go from. The first half of that album is when he is an outlaw country artist that's like super progressive to like the last two tracks are like border, not even borderline, are just straight up like homophobic, like mean songs. And it's yeah. like, and in that case, I'm like, I, I mean, I'm sure Charlie Daniels is like super glad that people care about songs like long haired hippie boy or long haired country boy still in Saigon or uneasy, uneasy rider. But I definitely feel like if you asked him what he wants people to care about, it's definitely, well, he's dead now, so you can't ask him. But at the time, if you asked him, he would (laughs) care way more about people listening to the kind of very backwards reversal that he pulled off in the 80s and 90s. And I don't think that that's the case with Al. I think that Al's feelings in 1992 are the same in 2023, if not even more intense, but, but learning just based on like, I feel like based on the the circles that Al chooses to run alongside with in yeah. the world of con- like like well, we're like, not seeing Al doing collaborations with Jim Brewer, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, <laughs> no, no, no. I, I again, I think Al at no point in this show, even when we've talked about songs that have been judged differently over the years, have I ever even remotely questioned whether Al's heart was in the right place? Yeah, I don't. I don't ever. No. Nothing so far we have seen has ever given me any indication that that's not true. I mean, we should also consider the possibility, right? Like Al could be playing this song to a room full of people who completely agree politically but still just end the song sad. Yeah. Or, no, I mean, that's kind of where I would or, fall. Or, uh, like, actively, I mean, God knows. Who who knows who in that audience lived through some gun-related trauma mm-hmm. in their life, and it is an actual, apologies for the pun, yeah. but an actual triggering experience for them sitting in the room, right? I mean, it, it is, like, it's not just, oh, I'm against you politically and I'm going to boo you for saying something I don't believe in. It could actually be causing harm yeah. to, the mental, to the mental health of his audience. It's not as complicated as it's just a political, like, line in the sand. So I I, mm-hmm. I do, I, I'm, you know, the more we actually talk about it, the more I sympathize with that position yeah. on on his, his part. Um, before we rank it. I just wanted to bring up one thing that I thought of in the context of this song that was really interesting to me, uh, which is the Beach Boys connection. This is just, you know, we've talked before about how Al's like just one of his favorite tricks to do. And it's always so satisfying is to just take the lyric and the song that just don't go together like yeah. this. Mm. The w- Such the fun of this track is this like all American feel good uh, pop tune with these horrific lyrics underneath it. But I was intrigued thinking about the connection with the Beach Boys and the violence of this song with Charles Manson and his connection to the Beach Boys. Oh, yeah. How for people who don't know, and I couldn't like I feel like I talked about this somewhere, not on this show. I can't I I don't know. I I, this is a conversation I've had a few times because I find it so interesting. Maybe it came up with Lars actually talking about good old days. Probably, um, but um, we talked about Manson a lot in that episode. Right, exactly. We talked about Manson, but Charles Manson befriended Dennis Wilson of the Beach Boys. Um, this is a crazy, crazy story that I cannot begin to fully summarize in the context of the last few minutes of this show. I highly recommend people look it up. But basically, Dennis Wilson, brother of Brian Wilson, um, he saw two young ladies hitchhiking on the side of the road and he picked them up and invited them into his home by every measure, seemingly because he was 
a nice guy and also maybe was interested in these two yeah. young ladies. And he brought them home, said, make yourself comfortable. He went out, came back. And when he came back, there was a full on party at his house with Charles Manson and his followers there. Following this party, Charles Manson and his people just don't leave. They stay. They uh, take his stuff. They crash his cars. They destroy his home. And Dennis puts up with most of it because by every measure, he was kind of a lonely guy and he was enjoying the companionship of some of Charles, Charles Manson's lady followers. And that was enough for him to dismiss a lot of things. Charles Manson was an aspiring songwriter. <laughs> Charles Manson wrote a song, presented it to Dennis Wilson. Dennis Wilson thought it was good. The song was called Cease to Exist. Dennis Wilson changes the song significantly, changes the lyrics, keeps the melody, but changes the form and the production makes it more of a Beach Boys song. And it comes out renamed Never Learn, Never Learn Not to Love. Um, this is towards the end of Brian Wilson's time. This is like late 60s. And um, Charles Manson is furious because he does not get writing credit. Dennis Wilson gets the sole writing credit. Dennis Wilson swears that Charles Manson agreed to give him the song in exchange for a motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I, it, uh, some people also say that Dennis was trying to get revenge here because he had finally realized he had been taken advantage of for a long time. Dennis Wilson does not give Charles Manson credit on the song. There is a confrontation where Charles Manson threatens to kill Dennis Wilson. Dennis Wilson proceeds to beat the hell out of him in public in front of a lot of people. Charles Manson retreats to his ranch with his followers. And by most measures, this is the moment where Charles Manson starts planning what would become the Tate LaBianca murders. Yeah. And Dennis Wilson really never forgave himself for playing any part in uh, helping, facilitating, yeah. or even just extending the life of Charles Manson's cult in, in any way. It was a very tough thing for him. Charles Manson, be I'm sorry, Dennis Wilson became an addict mm -hmm. and he his life sort of spiraled and he died very tragically in the 80s. Um, Anyway, that's a long way around to say it's an interesting little sub story here of the Beach Boys fun, happy music connected with this incredibly iconic moment of violence mm. in American culture. And as per usual with Al, I just think he is too smart to have not thought about all of these things in the context of this this song and the way he put it together. I think it's really exceptionally, exceptionally brilliant by Al's even by Al's generally high standards. This is a really smart and thoughtful and again like it's rare that he does something that is this uncomfortable and that makes you think this deeply about larger issues yeah. al can be so funny and so broad and boy are we going to get to a dumb silly parody next week yeah but but, but, but this... not dumb i like well yeah but you know i was what gonna I mean? say like, we'll get into that yeah. next week yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll get into that next week I would have, until I really sat down and read the lyrics for, I feel like the last 20 years, I've been like, what a dumb parody. <laughs> but like, he's, again, I feel like there is, on this album specifically, yeah, there is more satirical, like, hand being played than I think all of his 80 albums combined, his yeah. albums from the 80s combined. He's really, like, I feel like this is him really showing his disdain for guns, his <laughs> disdain for the entertainment that gets put on television. Something like, yes. it's like, he's really like, he's playing characters, but he's also playing characters to very clearly vocalize his thoughts on things in pop culture in a mm -hmm. way that we didn't see as much in the past. Cause I still, to this day, don't think that he has the disdain for Billy Joel that you would think he has in a song called It's Still Billy Joel to me. Right, like, right, To right, me, right, like, right. that's no, just a that. funny song that he wrote and then felt a little bad about writing so didn't, like, ultimately mm -hmm. record. Where it's like, this one's like, no, I think he's really expressing his personal views on a lot of stuff in a lot of the tracks on Off the Deep End. Well, and, and is that, do you think, Matthew, uh, Matt and Matthew, do you think that's because this is his first self-produced album? Without I'm, Rick Derringer? I'm sure there's an element of that. I also feel like, and this is this is probably false, what I'm about to say, because a lot of these songs were written and recorded before Nirvana, mm. but I feel like it's not accidental simultaneously that like Nirvana 
people have written about personal stuff forever. You know what I mean? But like, I feel like Nirvana was a very early moment where it was like, no, you can write non-superficial personal stuff yeah. that like can actually hit your target audience mm. as opposed to in the past, it would be like, here's our superficial, we're on the road and we miss the girls that we love song that we wrote. And then maybe like a deep track on an album would be like really, truly personal. Yeah. But like you would never dream of releasing that as a single. Like 90s grunge mu music in general was so much of like a, I was just talking about this with someone about Alice in Chains mm. and how like Lane Stanley's life, like that dude's life is so fucking sad and tragic. Yeah. And like when you listen to the songs that he writes on Dirt and Facelift, it's like it's a dude who who wants to know why his dad left him. Yeah. <laughs> it's someone who doesn't see himself in a positive light, doesn't see the world in a positive way. And like is desperate for love and like unashamed to write a bunch of pop songs about it. Yeah. Like, so I, th I think that there is an element of the 90s just gave this freedom to be like, no, say how you fucking feel yeah. when you get in front of that microphone. Well, and I think that was uh, not even just in music. I think just in society in the 80s, it was all about like the, the Reaganomics and like bringing back the good old days yeah. of the, you know, not to reference another Al track, but the good old days of like the 1950s or whatever, which was great for, you know, what just white males but um it was, yeah. yeah it was but I think it was regonomics and glitz and glamour yeah right? like yeah. it was it was like it was it was all a facade it, yeah. it was all uh, you know with based on cocaine yeah um <laughs> so talking about saying how we fucking feel right where are we ranking this <laughs> So well, I want to say one last thing. I just at, yeah, at the very yeah. the very end of the lyrics. This is the I always love how Al never repeats himself to ad nauseum. Like he always changes something in a chorus or whatever. Even when the mm -hmm. the original song, you know, uses the same lyrics. And this is one of the first songs that I'm like that is blatantly in my face saying like trigger happy trigger happy over and over again to the point where it that itself has to to me feels like a subconscious parody because it, of like the gun conversation just kind of yeah. going around in circles and yeah. not changing mm -hmm. like i don't know if that i don't know if i'm just putting too much into it like, no psychologically. I think I, we've talked about this before specifically with lars brings it up where like al tries to get the maximum jokes per second in a song which usually means that choruses change, change. the lyrics it's I would say a handful of songs, a small handful of like, was there? I would say before Trigger Happy, there's been like three other songs we where the chorus about, is unchanged. It's like Good yeah. Old Days, mm. Melanie. Like, it's those type of songs where he's trying to catch. I feel like when he does a folk song, he really tries to keep the chorus the same so that the verses stand out as even more depraved. Absolutely, but yeah. This yeah. Is or a, this or is he's doing an early. anthem, as we talked yeah. about, something like UHF or Dare to Be Stupid, mm. which has a very like where this is a mission statement we're repeating every time. Like that's yeah. the, the sort of idea behind it. But this one, I mean, arguably, this actually is that. It's just a satirical mission statement. The the end of this song, the trailing off on the watch out or I'll blow you away, just repeated and repeated and repeated and repeated is like, yeah, just driving home. I I, I agree with you. As much as this is back before the worst of all of this from our perspective the idea of this being a repeating problem and an ongoing issue certainly still would have applied in 1992 sure yeah um and and yeah no it's it's uh and you know one other point just to to bring one final thing home it's like another thing we've talked about good old days a great example of it again is the idea of like this twisted view of american values uh and this idea of like uh what we see is so like quaint and homey and like good old American pie values. Like what's better use than the beach boys to present this idea of gun worship yeah, as the most misguided form of American values you can possibly have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's just, again, another incredible, like the amount of just like there, there's a tremendous amount here. If you keep peeling back, mm -hmm. like the idea of like how he got to this point, how this style and this set of lyrics Beach Boys being like, yeah, the all-American band and like mm -hmm. the worship of guns being such a toxic American trait. Exactly. And exclusively exactly. American. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, this reads like a piece of propaganda. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like yeah. it's, yeah, totally.
Yeah, and just I want to be on record as saying fuck Mike Love if I can. Yeah, no, that's fine. I was I literally was wondering if Matt was going there when he was like, it's a funny thing that it's a Beach Boys song. Right, right. Oh, but- I mean, yeah, Mike Love is uh, a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I bought. Uh, and- I'm wearing for the listeners. I'm wearing a Brian Wilson's a genius shirt that I purchased specifically to see the Beach Boys uh, in Asbury Park to wear in front of Mike Love's face <laughs> as I'm flipping him off for 40 minutes. Mike Love. <laughs> Mike Love and his Beach Boys. Mike Love, for those who don't know, Mike Love, uh, an original member, mm-hmm. but not the primary creative force of the Beach Boys, owns the trademark of the name. And as a result, he tours with a ro- rotating cast of guest musicians, sometimes including John Stamos. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and they perform as the Beach Boys all around the world, and including at NRA rallies and all sorts mm-hmm. of wonderful events that you just would love to see the Beach Boys at. Mm-hmm. And... Separately, Brian Wilson tours with usually with Al Jardine and other mm. former Beach Boys. Blondie as Chaplin. The actual, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and they tour and also do the Beach Boys music, but cannot call it the Beach Boys. They have to call it Brian Wilson and Friends. Um, and Mike Love seems to be a friend to no one. <laughs> except for maybe um, John Stamos. Except for maybe John Stamos. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't know enough about John Stamos to have too hard an opinion, but right. it is pretty fucking weird that John Stamos is touring as a member of the Beach Boys. We just have to acknowledge that that's a thing that is. He's that on has a happened. full Beach Boys album. I'm pretty sure. I, I, I mean, he, I think he's on the late '80s, like one of their late probably. '80s, early '90s releases as like the official drummer of the Beach Boys for a whole a whole album. Truth uh, is stranger than fiction. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well. Trigger Happy made it in my top 10 on original songs. Oh, I wow. put it right underneath One More Minute. Hey. <laughs> uh, and above The Biggest Ball of Twine in Minnesota. Uh, I figured as we're getting f- deeper and deeper into this, it's worth reading what our top five and bottom five are on these lists for people. They can check the full thing on the website. But uh, at this point... WeirdAlgorithmPodcast.com. Thank you. Our My top five is still number five. This is the life. Number four, Nature Trail to Hell. Number three, Melanie. Number two, Dare to be Stupid. And number one, the UHS theme song. Whereas my bottom five right now, which keep in mind, there's really no true bottom when it comes to the Owl originals. Uh, But uh, from least worst to worst on my rankings, that boy could dance, buy me a condo, such a groovy guy, Buckingham Blues, and got a boogie. Um, only two of those I would even remotely be like, I don't think that these are good songs. The rest are just not as good. Um, Matt, where are you putting Trigger Happy? I'm putting Trigger Happy a little higher than you. Wow. And I actually, at, this was very close to making it into my top five. Wow. And it's funny to see that it's weird how these songs connect because I didn't, I'm literally just looking at the list for the first time. And I find myself weighing this song against Good Old Days, which is something yeah. we keep referencing. And I'm going to put it just below Good Old Days. Okay. So above, I, uh, there's above a small part of me that dog. yeah, small part of me wanted to put it above, but I I I I'm gonna put it just below Good Old Days and just above Doggy Dog. That puts it at number six for me. Hmm. Um, yeah. Again, I think this is just absolutely brilliant 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 writing it's so smart so clever and so just sincerely funny like you are laughing against all odds at every line of this song (laughs) it is really impressive um so to run it down the way matt did uh my top five um are very close to his uh number five is good old days number four is nature trail to hell three is melanie two dare to be stupid and one uhf my bottom five from Dead last, I have Buckingham Blues. Uh, then I have Such a Groovy Guy, One of Those Days, Let Me Be Your Hog, and Cable TV. All right. Uh, now, this is cool because I've never had to do this in person. <laughs> so I'm handing you my phone. Yes. And you'll see Trigger Happy down there at the bottom of the list of guest sure. rankings. I know I know. last time I knocked Chris Fafalios off the top. Um, let's see. So we have, uh, up, as of right now, we have Smells Like Teen Spirit at the top, or Smells Like Nirvana at the top, uh, Eat It, Melanie, Yoda, and Good Old Days. Are you putting it above any of those? Mm. You know what? I am uh, I am going to put it, oh gosh. All right, so now it's one more minute, is, is below Good Old Days, You Make Me, and then Trigger Happy. Nope, Trigger Happy's going below Nature Trail to Hell. But just above, this song is six words long. I, I, I Yeah, I think Nature Trail to Hell is... 
is absolutely genius. I can't respectable, you, respectable and, placement. You make me is my absolute favorite uh, uh, Weird Al song in the entire discography. Well, it's funny you say that because you also do get to rearrange one song on the list wherever you want know. it. So yeah, I think uh, I I, th- I really do think you make me belongs. Gosh, you know what? I'm gonna put it in as far as I think. Uh, I think it's third. I All think right. it's above Melanie. All right. Yeah, because right. I, I mean, it smells like it just smells like Nirvana and Eat It are iconic for Al and his his career trajectory. So I can't put it above them, but I think it's his best original. I love it. This. Those are those are two very good and respectable moves uh, for guest ranking. I I uh, am very excited for that. So <laughs> we'll see. Your your buddy's going to be thrilled to hear that you make me is now back in the top. Five I know, right? On the guest rankings. Uh, <laughs> and and and, and, I, and if he's listening to this one, uh, that was a phenomenal episode. I learned so much from him uh, on that episode. So thank you for having him on. <laughs> we got uh, to get Phil back on. He really crushed that one. Yeah. That we was really, really good do. One. I was Phil very back. proud of that one. Yeah. AJ. Yes, sir. Is there anything you want to promote before we totally wrap this up? A lot of the things that I'm doing right now are, are pretty localized. Uh, for those who, who don't know or have no idea who I am, which is understandable, uh, I'm a DJ and a trivia host, and uh, I do some events. Uh, right now, we've been doing a lot of Taylor Swift events just because that's kind of uh, consuming a lot of the world. Um, so if you're in the Phoenixville, Pennsylvania area, uh, December 13th, we are having a birthday party for Taylor Swift at the Colonial Theater, a historic uh, theater where they filmed the uh, 1955 movie. 1955 movie The Blob wow. starring Steve McQueen so that's in Phoenixville Pennsylvania uh, again December 13th uh, for Taylor Swift's birthday um, other than that no I, if uh, somebody just enjoys music and enjoys listening to a lot of uh, variety across genres uh, I have a, a website called music appreciation society and it's aimed at the aficionado and the amateur um and it's just uh really just for people who like all different kind of music not just the same 20 30 songs that get played on terrestrial radio all right and just to really quick before we wrap it up aj you are from as best i can tell one of our absolute earliest supporters on this show i feel like i have seen you promoting our our (laughs) our podcast all over the internet since like episode two it's because I, I don't really I, have a job I, 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 and, and i just want to thank you very much for that not only are you a fantastic guest and i'm so oh, happy we had you back and we will have you again oh, yeah. um but but thank you very much for helping to uh to spread the word about our show it's it's really uh it's it's a wonderful thing yeah, and I will, I will also say this um, on record here, and I'll say it uh, when I promote too, because I was thinking about this today. The the What you guys are tackling here is not just a Weird Al podcast. What you guys have achieved in uh, what you're doing is really a, a study of popular culture in the late 20th century in, in a way that really cannot be done other th- than through the Weird Al lens, but you guys are so knowledgeable and funny and... Uh, uh, informed yourselves and the guests that you bring on that you really have uh, done something unprecedented here. So I, I just want to say that, that uh, it, even if you're not a Weird Al fan, this is a podcast that you can listen to and enjoy. And you guys have have taken something very like a, that is very niche and and made it accessible to everyone. And that's a huge accomplishment. That is the sweetest is... thing anyone has ever said to us. <laughs> I, I, very, very nice. I, I wish that I could say that that was our original intent when we started the show. But it just, it just sort of happened that way. But we'll take it. We will absolutely take it. Thank you, AJ. Thank yeah, you. you're welcome. Well, I can't listen to this anymore. <laughs> so <laughs> tune in next week when we talk about something I can't watch anymore. <laughs> you're listening to the Geekscape Network. 